census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Welcome, everybody, to episode 302 of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Ray. Hope you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. And we are broadcasting here live from the ocean, or just shy of the ocean, uh, on vacation. You can hear these soothing, soothing ocean sounds in the background. Yeah, so those are the soothing ocean sounds uh, from the background uh, of uh, where we are. We're on vacation. So it is obviously not just me that is here, brought to you by Deadly Grounds Coffee and the Dorkening Podcast Network. I'm joined by my co-host on the show and my co-host in life. She is the mistress of Marlowe, the Countess of Cabernet, the Queen... Regent of Rosé, the Princess of Prosecco, the Viceroy of Vignoles, and uh, also, I was going to come up with another, uh, Countess of Cabernet, that's one, that's one that we do. Uh, she is also the Real Housewife of Transylvania, the uh, 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 Michael Phelps of Wine, the Queen of the Monsters, and an Honorary Lizzie, ladies and gentlemen, it's uh, Vacation Ashes. I love vacation. Vacation is always the best because you know what we did today? Nothing. We sat on the porch. We sat on the porch and looked at the ocean. And for the first time for this particular uh, little swath of ocean, little cove area here, uh, we saw a seal. Now, we've seen seals in the ocean, like on different beaches. Not the singer, the animal. No, a group of seals is called a kiss from a rose, by the way. Um, but yeah, uh, he saw a little, little, just common seal swimming around. I was really hoping that he was going to get attacked by a shark, but sadly no such luck. And then we went later to the beach. We went to see one of the lighthouses and, um, there were about half a dozen seals. Would you say? Um, yeah, about, yeah, yeah, about that. Uh, and none of them were eaten by sharks either. So disappointing day all around, but, uh, no, we, we sat on the porch, we drank coffee, we, we had some snacks, and we just sat on the porch. We didn't. We didn't. That's, that was our day. We didn't. Uh, but we knew we needed to record. So once the sun went down, and we went and uh, ran a couple errands, because we, you know, you're on vacation. You need snacks. Got to make sure you got snacks. So. And by uh, snacks, we need wine. Yeah. So if you're wondering why this sounds a little bit different, it's because we're obviously not in our studio. Uh, we don't have all our studio equipment. But we wanted to make sure you still got a show Perfect for today. Broadcasting to you live from wine. From a vineyard. Yeah, careful when you're uh, toasting the air there. You don't spill anything on the computer. Otherwise, it's going to be a short episode. <laughs> going to do anything. 
No, I know. I didn't know you didn't. You know, but just in case, just in case, be careful. No liquids over the. You want to put liquids over your computer? Go, go nuts. Don't put them over. I'm on vacation, and you are not the boss of me. Uh, I am. You are all red today, by the way. And you, we weren't outside that long, and we both got cooked, which you wouldn't really expect, being that it's mid-September. But uh, yeah, we get we get toasted fairly well. I'm used to it. I've been out in the sun for the past several months, so I've got a nice tan, except for my feet. And it looks like I'm wearing uh, bright white socks, but uh, I am not. <laughs> so, Ashes, what do we have today? What are, what are we discussing? We are delving into our spooky season specials. And today we are talking about the tropes of final girls and the characters that lend themselves to these tropes. Now, I know that this sounds a little, potentially sounds a little boring, but I guarantee it's actually quite interesting. And our getting into character question for today is, who are some of our favorite final girls of the last five years? There have been a plethora of horror films that have come out. Some of them have actually been decent, some of them have actually been good. Yeah. Uh, and some of these horror films follow the trope of the final girl. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, when final girls come to mind, um, obviously there's, you've got someone in your head right now, as I'm saying, final girl, you've got someone that you're thinking of. Um, and, you know, we'll be discussing that for the main portion of the show, but for the last few years, you know, it, that's the thing. Like, we've had a lot of different uh, horror films come out. And there's a bunch that we haven't seen. And there's a few that are coming out uh, that we can, you know, maybe speculate on. But we can wait for that till after they come out and after we've seen them. But, uh, you know, we really wanted to give some of these, these ladies credit if, you know, maybe they flew under your radar. Um, so, Ashes, who... Who do you have on your list? Because I know we do have one overlap, but other than that, we have uh, a lot of different folks on our lists. Yeah, so in in no actual rhyme or reason to this order, uh, first on my list is Florence Pugh as Danny Ardor in 2019's Midsommar. Now, I know that uh, this film, there was a lot of... Um, Controversy. There was a lot of, not necessarily controversy around this film, but a lot of differing opinions. You either love it or you hate it. And that's kind of the vibe that you get with A24, period. You know, they've done horror movies uh, to the likes of The Witch, Heredity. Um, did they do X as well? A24, they what? did yeah. X. They did yeah. uh, Everything, um, everywhere, all at once. That's not a horror film. Right. But so I'm, I'm talking about the horror films that A24 has put men. out. Men. Uh, yep. Men, which I have not seen yet, but I want to. Uh, they tend to put out what you would probably consider non-conventional horror films. Uh, horror films that kind of, kind of um, straddle other genres as well. And, you know, I, I know we know people who want nothing to do with A24 films, and that's fine. You know, uh, they, they definitely have a specific type that they go for, especially when it comes to horror. But Midsommar, I thought was, ugh, I loved it. You know, I know that there is some, you know, uh, 
ambiguity with ambiguity. the ambiguity with the story um, and whatnot. But as far as the character of Danny goes, I love her character evolution. I love the way that she becomes more confident in herself towards the end. And even though she doesn't necessarily follow the final girl trope that was set out um, a long time ago, she still is considered a final girl. It's kind of, she, she, her character contributes to the evolution of the final girl based on where it's come from and where it's going. And I find this film to be just so, oh, it is so good. Like that is not only is the cinematography just so beautifully done, it's very catching and it's almost off putting too, because we, go into horror films expecting them to be dark and dreary and, you know, darkly lit and, you know, have the, the base colors to be, you know, blacks and reds and, and whatnot, blues. you know, yeah, just, just dark colors in general, you know, midsummer it's bright, it's summer, there's florals and whites and it's very, it's very off-putting kind of, lulls you into this false sense of security while watching this film you kind of almost forget that you're watching a horror film at times until certain events happen and you're like oh yeah this is a horror movie uh but anyways yeah uh Florence Pugh as Danny in Midsommar is is I think one of the most interesting final girls of recent years I think that's a good pick um you know especially given how that entire thing unfolds around them uh, in the, the the whole group there. Um, I like it. That's a, that's a solid pick. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, one that is near and dear to my heart. Uh, Jenna Ortega as uh, Tara Carpenter from the latest Scream film, um, especially because she's going to be in Scream 6 as well. Uh, I like that they are, um, you know, she is definitely an up and coming, uh, you know, horror actress considering. Oh, yeah. I mean, she was an ex. She's an ex. She's in, she's Wednesday Adams in yep. the new, in the new, uh, well, I was going to say Adams family, but it's Wednesday. It centers all around her. Um, she's got a lot of horror roles that she's working on. And I, I like the fact that, you know, She's getting a lot of work. Also, getting a chance to work with her. Uh, she's very nice. Um, you know, so, you know, she was very kind. There was uh, something that happened with uh, one of the uh, younger actors on, on the set, a very young girl, uh, who became absolutely smitten with, with Jenna because of the scenes that they shared together. And it's completely adorable and um i think i've told you this story but i'm not going to tell it mm -hmm. uh, she's a delightful person in real life so you know i'm rooting for her as well so uh, i'm going with jenna ortega who you got next so next on my list is kind of a, well not kind of it is a twofer uh again kind of bending the definition of the final girl and the final girl trope doesn't necessarily follow suit, but 
does contribute to the evolution of this trope. It's Emily Blunt as Evelyn Adam, uh, not Adam, speaking of Adam, Evelyn Abbott and Millicent Simmons as Reagan Abbott in 2018's A Quiet Place and 2020's A Quiet Place Part 2. I think that both of these women, young girl, um, their characters are pivotal to what happens in both films. They each go on their own journey. Mm -hmm. They each face their own perils as to which they, as to which they could have perished within those perils. Um, (coughs) Excuse me. Other people around them do. And they are of the only ones who are left standing at the end. Uh, Emily Blunt's character as Evelyn in the first film, she gives birth in a bathtub and she has to be quiet about it. Like that scene still boggles my mind. It's just absolutely incredible. You want to talk about how tough final girls can be like right there. She brought life into the world in the midst of the world completely collapsing around her. It's just absolutely beyond. And in the first film, you have Millicent Simmons character who is, she's the one who saves the day ultimately by realizing that her cochlear implant can be hooked up to this stereo system and emit feedback that will ultimately drive these these aliens these creatures what have you away so they both exhibit all of the uh character criteria that a final girl encompasses and i know that there is a third film coming out eventually not exactly sure when but it'll be interesting to see how these two characters continue on and how they contribute to the world around them because the world around them changed a little bit in the second film. Again, Mm. second film, still good, but not as good as the first. I honestly think the first film, it it could have been a standalone film and been really solid. Uh, Enjoyed the second film, enjoyed the characters of the second film, but just felt really unnecessary. But I will be checking out the third film just to kind of see where this story goes. Yeah, especially where that ended on such a, uh, like a cliffhanger type thing. Yeah, yeah. I think that it should have been, if they were going to do it, they should have just made it into two movies just and made the first one a little bit longer because half of the second movie was flashbacks to what happened before the first movie. Right. Give us a, a, a prequel. Yeah. Give us a prequel, like show us what happened or, you know, just leave it at one. Like not everything needs to be a franchise. So and we'll talk about that again in another few minutes, I think. But I'm going to go with my next one, speaking exactly on that uh, situation. Uh, and this is one you have on your list as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Samara, Samara Weaving as Grace in Ready or Not. I love this movie so much. Like, it, it was so good. We saw it in the theater. Uh, I've watched it a couple of times since then. I have also watched it a couple of times since then. It's so good. And there is stuff that you can delve into about the backstory. They could do a prequel. Not necessary. This is uh, one of the better films that we've seen over the past few years. And I think it's exactly where it needs to be. It leaves off exactly where it needs Like, I don't care what happens after. I don't care what happened before. You gave me enough backstory 
to know what was going on with these characters, and that's all I cared about, and she was fucking awesome. What I love is a memorable final scene with your final girl. Think of Sally Hardesty in the back of the truck after Leatherface, you know, she had just, she, she's the last one standing. Leatherface is chasing after her. She gets in this truck. This truck is going in the opposite direction. She's safe. She's free. Leatherface is still going crazy in the field with his chainsaw. And she just kind of grins. As the truck, she's losing her mind. Well, well, yes. She's laughing her ass off. Yes, but she's she's laughing, she's grinning as this truck is driving away. She's a bloody mess, you know. But that scene is just so impactful. You get that 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 nice kind of like clip of your final girl, you know, in all of her glory at the end. And ready or not is. You don't need that. to watch Texas Chainsaw again. What? Because we there's some, you know, that, oh, yeah, she has a happy grit. No, she's absolute. That woman will be institutionalized for the rest well, no, of her no, no, life. No, I, but what I'm saying is it's the, it's, it's that clip. You know, like when you look up, when you think of Sally Hardesty, oh, okay. you think, when you of, think her, of her, yeah, but, you know, in the back of the truck. What I'm saying is like she's synonymous with that image. Yeah, she's 100%. You know, the same thing goes for ready or not. When I think of Samara weaving as Grace, I think of her all bloodied and battered with a hole in her hand. You know, uh, her dress is torn to shreds. Her hair is a mess. And she's just lighting up a cigarette and smoking it in front of this house that's burning down. Yeah. After, you know, like that's what I think of. You know, it's this little clip this image of this this girl who is just all bloodied and battered and beaten with a grin on her face because she won. Yeah, I'm just saying like the, no, the no, I understand no, I understand that, but you understand what I'm trying to say. Like it's that it's that clip, it's that image that is synonymous with this character. And I think that she is uh Grace is an unexpected badass. She's thrown into like this is this is her fucking wedding day she just wants to get married she wants to wear a pretty dress she wants to drink champagne she wants to party you know she doesn't know what she's getting herself into and apparently the family didn't necessarily know what they were getting into either because it's the luck of the draw right and they hadn't played hide and seek in decades Nobody has, you know, nobody, nobody has pulled that uh, in a really long time. So the fact that it landed on that, everyone just kind of had a look on their face. They knew what it was about, but none of them had ever experienced it except except grandma. Yeah, except for grandma, uh, you know. But in order to kind of keep uh, keep the status quo with the family, you know, they knew what they had to do. Uh, so I, I thought that she, the way she was able to quickly catch on to what was happening and quickly adapt and evolve to her surroundings and think quick on her feet. She was just, she's, she's probably one of my most favorite final girls of the last few years. Well, I did because we both have, uh, her on our list. I did come up with a couple, uh, honorable mentions and I will 
do at the end because they're also. I know we said you? last last five uh, years. Honorable mentions? No, never. We said last five years, but these are six and seven years. But I think they're especially one of them you haven't seen, but the other one you're going to be like, holy shit, that's a really good one. So who do you got next? So last on my list is Mia Goth as Maxine Minx in 2022's X. I love this movie. It is fantastic. And the world that Ty West is currently setting up with Mia Goth uh, is phenomenal. So in X, she plays Maxine Minx who is the unexpected final girl, because you really think it's going to be Jenna Ortega's character, the more innocent one. And maybe more well-known. Uh, the one more... No, I'm, Mia Goth, is, she's a well-known independent okay. actor. She's done a lot of uh, indie stuff. Um, but Jenna Ortega, her character follows more of the typical final girl trope. As in, she is virginal, she's pure, she's kind of a prude. She's, yeah, for a while. Well, we, well, right, right. Whereas, you know, Maxine and, I forget her name, but it's Britney Snow's character. I mean, they're porn actors. They're there. The, the reason why they're at this farm is because they're shooting a porn called The Farmer's Daughter. It's, I think, like, set in, like, 1979 or something like that. It's fantastic. But anyways, uh, so... She is the unexpected final girl because you don't, you think it's going to be somebody else. And then she survives. Mia Goth also plays the old woman in this film. And you don't really realize it until you're watching the final credits and you're like, holy shit, makeup did an excellent job with this. And you know somebody Sarah, who did Sarah the makeup. Uh, so now we're getting a film called Pearl. That is the old woman giving the backstory as to why the old woman, why she was how she was and her story. And apparently she's just this fame hungry killing machine. Um, so that'll be interesting. That's coming out soon. And Ty West within the past week just gave a little clip teaser trailer not even trailer, just a little teaser, teaser yeah. of an upcoming film, because apparently this is going to be a trilogy called Maxine with three X's. So I'm really interested to see exactly where each character that she portrayed in X, you know, kind of like the Pearl, the prequel, and then Maxine, the sequel, how this whole trilogy is going to span out. I love it. I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, X was really gory. X going to give it to you. Yeah, yes, yes, it is. Uh, but yeah, Mia Goth, I thought, was just a, a really wonderful character as, as Maxine. And again, her being the unexpected final girl, you're kind of rooting for her, but you're like, oh, she's going to die. Like, she, she's, she's going to die. And then when she doesn't, and when she prevails in the end, you're like, okay, this was a this was a nice surprise. I like this a lot. So that's my list. You have one more on there that you didn't say. No, I didn't. Uh, because I still have two more left. Nope. You didn't say that one. Uh, oh, so I didn't say that one. My my next one is uh, this isn't anything. I like wine. Yes, this isn't anything specific, but. Uh, or any movie specific, but Anya Taylor-Joy, uh, who has been the last one standing in several films, 
um, Split, Glass, uh, The Northman, The Witch. I mean, is The Northman horror? There are definitely some horror elements to it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess that's where we can kind of. But I'm just saying, the, I'm just the bending of the trope. Well, no, I'm the just evolution saying. Of, you know, in over and over and over in all these movies, she keeps and she's in that new one that the that, menu, the menu, uh, which looks amazing. Like she's in all of these like horror thriller action, like you know, very tense films, um, and she always ends up coming out on top. So uh, I'm, I'm going with her. Um, who have uh, you got next? Yeah, so, so actually this is the last one on my yes. list. I forgot about this one. How could I forget about this one? It is Tessa Farmiga uh, as Max Cartwright in 2015's The Final Girls. That film was so much fun and had so much heart and was equal parts camp, gore, and just a really great story. It kind of sucker punched me in the feels in a way that I wasn't prepared for. I didn't realize that was what the story was about. If you've seen it, you know what I talk what I'm what I'm talking about. But um, you know, Tessa Farmiga, she's also done a bunch of stuff with Ryan Murphy, American Horror Stories, Scream Queens. She was in the Nun. She's been in uh, a she looks films. exactly like her sister. Yeah, yeah. Like, they could play the same person in a film. Which is why know? people were so confused with The Nun, because she, like, that's part of the Conjuring universe, which features Vera Formiga, right. but they're not related in any way, shape, or form, like, the two different characters. But, like, you're having this, this prequel, having someone play a younger version who looks just mm-hmm. like her, and it's like, oh, yeah, it's just... Yeah, but but they could do that. They could have a film where Vera plays, you know, the the adult, more oh, I yeah. say more adult version of the what the character version. and and Taysa can play, or or is it Taysa or Taisa? Taisa. It's Taisa. Uh, she can play the the younger version of that character. But um, in the final girls, uh, it's such an interesting story because her mother was a well-known scream queen in the eighties and made this film and her mother passes away and she somehow gets sucked into the film that her mother was in this eighties slasher, you know, flick uh, along the lines of like a Friday, the 13th, it's all taking care place at a summer camp. Um, and her mother is her character from the film. So it's not her mother. So obviously when she is looking at it, she's seeing her mother, but her mother thinks that she is this character, not her. It's yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm just going to, it's I'm like last gonna, action I'm hero. Gonna, I'm just going to complicate the hell out of it. If I'm trying to explain it, but um, it's a brilliant metaphor on grief because her mother passes away in real life. And then, you know, so she's dealing with her mother in her, you know, character form in this film, and she's able to not necessarily say her goodbyes, but she's able to kind of come to terms with the closure. And it's it's so beautifully done. Like I said, it just it, it kind of like sucker punched me in the feels when I wasn't expecting it. Uh, I found myself crying at one point, and I it, you know it, it was just so. Um, 
out of sorts for a film like this, but it was, it was really well done. But yeah, she is ultimately the final girl in the end. Uh, and what I think is brilliant is that when she, you know, she wakes up in the hospital, um, <clears throat> she's one of the last ones standing, obviously, and come to find out they're in the sequel, you know, so they're still in the movie, but they're in the sequel. And it's just, it's, it's, it's so good. Yeah. It's so good. Now I, they haven't made a final girls too. And I kind of hope that they do because, or, you know, they could leave it as is and, and you can, yeah. you know, just kind of fill in the blanks, but it's really well done. And she's such a brilliant actor too, mm. kind of effortlessly brilliant. Um, the, uh, energy that she brings to every role that she does, regardless to how big the part is, uh, is just, it's, it's admirable. It's astonishing for, uh, an actor who is so young in years, yet she has so many films under her belt. And I definitely think, you know, along with Jenna Ortega, she's, she's one to watch. I agree. Uh, so my uh, last one before my uh, before my honorable mentions, uh, Sadie Sink as Max from uh, uh, Stranger Things. I mean, if you watched the last season of Stranger Things and you saw how things were uh, kind of went, um, you know that it was uh, not your typical ending for a final girl. And granted, pretty much every character, all of the main characters lived and made it through because apparently the Duffer brothers are afraid to kill anybody off uh, unless they're, you know, a love interest or a, a beloved character that everyone else likes that isn't part of the main D and D club. Uh, and then sometimes when they are. Um, but uh, I think she was, uh, she was very good throughout this last season, even though she was kind of, uh, she kind of joined the, the group, later like she wasn't a part of them as but neither was uh 11 but sadie sink just doesn't have any like magic powers uh although you know she does have some pretty thick plot armor uh but for my uh honorable mentions i'm gonna go with katie siegel as maddie young from 2016's hush uh if you haven't seen this it's about this like creepy masked guy that comes in and is stalking this deaf woman. Uh, and it's brilliantly done. Uh, I highly recommend it. And for my last one, this is the one that you're going to be like, oh, man, that's such a good call. Uh, Imogen Poots as Amber from Green Room. Oh, man, that's such a good call. See, told you. Um, if you haven't seen Green Room... Actually, no, that, I'm, I'm kind of kicking myself for not saying that one because that one actually is really... It funny. is outside of five years. I mean, but still, in, it doesn't necessarily follow the cut and stone trope of what a final girl is, uh, but contributes to the evolution yes. of the trope. So, I mean, she's not the only one standing at the end. But she is the uh, final she does, female. She is the final female, uh, and she does contribute heavily to the the, the the survivors surviving. Yes. So that's a pretty good place to take a, a quick break. Um, we're going to uh, get into our main discussion shortly. 
But uh, we're just going to give you a couple of quick ads, and uh, we'll be right back with our discussion about uh, Final Girls. Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Shark Bites, Shark Bites Podcast, it's the greatest show in history, from the Dorkening Network, hosted by a nerd who's named Patsy, from movie reviews to tips on surviving the coronavirus, Shark Bites has it all. Follow us on Facebook and suggest topics at sharkbitespod at gmail.com, available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And we are back. So, as Asha said in the in the opening segment, we're going to be talking about Final Girls today. What a Final Girl is, some of the uh, most famous ones. And again, like I like I said in the opening, when you hear the term Final Girl, if you're a, a horror person or even you know certain action films, um, when you think of Final Girl, like there are specific images and 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 people that come to mind so with that being said uh what is a final girl so final girl is a heroine left at the end of a horror movie she is the one who defeats the bad guy or escapes and is left standing usually standing at the very end sometimes she's in a hospital sometimes she's in a coma it's the final girl and not the final guy because at the end of these films, it's most exclusively women or almost exclusively women. When it comes to older movies and TV shows, this woman is usually a virgin. She is more intelligent than other victims and her character arc usually involves overcoming a personal problem or some sort of inadequacy that is exacerbated by the situation. Film theorist Carol J. Clover was the first person to coin the term final girl. In her book, Men, Women, and Chainsaws, Clover says, quote, she is the one who encounters the mutilated bodies of her friends and perceives the full extent of the preceding horror and her own peril, who is cornered, wounded, whom we see scream, stagger, fall, rise, and scream again. She is abject terror personified. This book was written in 1992, but we've had Final Girl since the dawn of the slasher film. The Final Girl trope has evolved throughout the years from early Final Girls, most often being damsels in distress, often saved by a strong male, such as a police officer or heroic stranger, to more modern Final Girls who are more likely to survive due to their own abilities. According to Clover's definition, Lila Crane from Psycho, 1960, is an example of a female survivor and not a final girl due to her lack of moral purity, who is saved by a male, Sam Loomis, not to be confused with the Halloween character of the same name, at the film's ending. 
Laurie Strode from Halloween 1978 is a final girl, but one that is saved by someone else, also named Sam Loomis. So one of the first final girls that comes into play is uh, Marilyn Burns as Sally Hardesty from 1974's Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Now, I know that there is some... uh, disagreement as to who was the first some say it was i think it was uh mary collingwood or collingswood from last house on the left uh some say it was oh goodness i forget her name from black christmas which came out a little before this but everyone from the birds (laughs) i know it's not a slasher but Again, sticking with the concrete definition of this trope, everyone is in agreement when it comes to Sally Hardesty. Uh, There is no disagreement there. Everyone can confirm that she is the final girl. Therefore, she is credited with being one of the first. Um, Four years after Texas Chainsaw came Halloween, the first one. Margot Kidder. Black Christmas. Is that who you're talking about? No. All right. No. Um, And we were introduced to Laurie Strode, uh, Mm. who also follows that super pure, modest uh, final girl trope. Now, what's interesting is because when we say the word final girl, you can think of it's interesting to see what the the first name that like Patsy. When I say final girl, what is the first character that comes to mind? Laurie Strode, cowering in the in the aftermath of uh, Michael Myers' rampage in the first film. You know, was that the boogeyman? Like that, uh, Olivia Hussey in Black Christmas. Okay. She was also in uh, It, the miniseries. But yeah, uh, for me, it's 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 uh, Laurie Strode. Uh, I mean, Sally Hardesty is a great pick too. But when I think final girl, the first final girl I think of is it's Laurie Strode because I, I think that's the one that I was introduced to first, and I'm the most familiar with. And see, what I think of first, or who I think of first, is Sydney Prescott. From Scream. Okay. And I think that's probably because that was like the first horror film that I watched in its entirety. So maybe that's just my memory connecting, you know, with, and that's, with that one. It makes but sense. Also, I mean, especially the first Scream film. I mean, the, and the consecutive ones do this as well, but especially the first one. It's really a parody of all the different tropes of yeah. horror films. And that's, that's really what it is, but it's not done in a comedic way. It's done in a formulaic way like this is how this happens this is how this happens and you know if you pay attention you know taking that you know uh to its literal conclusion like if you're paying attention and you're knowing what's going on then you are going to survive like that was the whole premise of scream so when carol clover came up with this this trope, this definition of this trope, uh, she based it off of her studies of horror films from the 70s and 80s. And during those time, like that is 
that's what that's what was true. You know, yeah, those slasher films. Of these all, times. You know, that's when they very lived. Very formulaic for the most part. So we're talking characters, you know, like Sally Hardesty, Laurie Strode, but going into your uh, Ginny Fields from Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, yep. who you know survives by mimicking Jason Voorhees' mother. Which is totally different from the, like, uh, and that that's when we start to see some of these, like, as opposed to, like, brute force or lucky escapes, like Sally Hardesty leaping out a fucking window and just happened to be picked up by a passing vehicle. Um, you know, and you could even argue that Ellen Ripley was really the, the first one to use their environment as uh as a as a weapon you know sucking the alien out into space with the airlock you know the thing with ellen ripley uh what really drives me crazy about that film is if her cohorts had only listened to her they all would be alive the 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 issue is that the one who broke quarantine was an android Ash is the one who broke quarantine. And he was like, oh, yeah, well, you know, whatever. Because the crew is because the android got the message that the crew is expendable. All other uh, protocols are secondary to capturing this alien life form and bringing it back to Wayland Yutani. So, I mean, obviously the humans that were like, let us in, we're scared, we don't know what's going on. It's like, well, you got to wait. But you're right. If. Even after that, if they had just listened to her, like, hey, we should freeze him. Hey, are we sure we should do this? Hey, are you sure this should be happening? Hey, why don't we do this? If they had just listened. Also, as a side note, Veronica Cartwright is the most useless character. She got herself and Yafit Koto killed. Got them both killed because she just sat there was like, oh, God, oh, God. You know, you know, her typical, this is how she behaves anytime something is even a little bit stressful. Uh, she shatters and turns into a fucking pudding. Yafit Koto could have killed the alien, but she was in the way. All she had to do was move out of the way. She doesn't want to get killed? Fucking move to the side. Move to the left a little bit. You'll be fine. But no. Uh, so she deserved to get eaten and cocooned or whatever the hell happened to her. So, and I know that in the... Uh, she was the opposite of Ripley, is what I'm saying. Right. Um, in the other Alien films, later on in the franchise, uh, Ellen Ripley doesn't necessarily follow that final trope anymore because she does. Well, that's not until the third one. Right, but but in, in the first two films, you know, Alien and Aliens, she absolutely is a final girl. And, you know, follows this trope for the most part, but definitely, you know, when, I mean, she's one of those, when I think of final girls, you know, Ellen Ripley, uh, Sarah Connor comes to mind as well. Uh, Sarah Connor, you know, Terminator, I think it's more action than horror, but still, Still, like yeah, it's, again, it's it, it in that sci-fi horror. Yeah, I was to say like it kind of straddles yeah. that line between the two. Um, I, I would say Alien is much more horror than uh, than Terminator, but right, I would also but, say counter your your 
argument by saying in Alien 3, because she dies, she is technically the final girl because she is the only female in the entire film. Because Newt dies at the beginning. So technically, even at the beginning, she was already the final girl. (laughs) Because Newt died. And then we have films, these, these classic 80s slasher films that some of us love so much. Uh, the Hellraiser franchise, where we have Kirsty Cotton yep. as the final girl for uh, a handful of those films. There's uh, three three of them. One and two, definitely, because it's her and the, the young girl, I forget her name, uh, Mitzi, I think. Uh, and I know that's not it. And then in one of the sequels where she's married to the Mayhem guy, I think? Like... It's it's weird. It's it's not good. But yeah, she's she's in that one and she lives through that as well. Uh I think. I don't I just rewatched them and that one was so forgettable. I don't recall how it ended. Wow. Okay. Yeah. But definitely in the first two. Uh which I think are of the better films of that franchise to be completely honest. Oh, the first two were amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, one kind of leads into the other. You get more of the story in the second one. It's very much um, very much following in the footsteps of uh, Halloween, where Halloween 1 and 2 take place on, like, consecutive nights. Mm-hmm. Like, Halloween 2 should have been called November 1st. Like, hey, it's November, let's put up our Christmas decorations. <laughs> but that's too long for a movie title, so they didn't go with that. They went with Halloween 2. Although, technically, I guess it still takes place on Halloween night, you know, because it's the following several hours. And, you know, obviously uh, Hellraiser 2 picks up with Kirsty in the hospital uh, after the traumatic events of the first film. Mm-hmm. So I like that type of continuation, um, especially where it's like, it's like, okay, you were, you were the final girl. You won once. Can you do it again? Are you able to overcome this twice? And, Obviously, yes. Yes, she was. Um, you go into A Nightmare on Elm Street with Nancy Thompson. Yes. And even to the point where uh, Heather Langenkamp becomes a final girl in the last movie. Um New Nightmare. New Nightmare, yeah. Like, the one where... They all play themselves. They play themselves, and Robert Englund is playing himself, but Freddy is, like, a literal demon, uh, which I thought was interesting. But, uh, yeah, definitely, uh, I think that's the first first time that somebody has played uh, themselves and still dealt with the same issues that... Be like if Sidney Prescott starred in Stab. Mm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And then we kind of pivot a little bit to 90s horror where you have the Scream franchise. And this is a franchise that's still putting out films today. Uh, they announced recently that Scream 6 was is, is happening. Uh, unfortunately, without this character, because... They didn't want to pay her, which, you know, which is at, unfathomable. Um, She's the face of the franchise. It's like you were going to have a scream film without Nev Campbell, without Sidney Prescott. Like, so here's the thing. We're going to make Jaws, right? 
but there's no shark. It just it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. But you know, for me, like I said, when I think of the word final girl, I think of Sydney Prescott because she's still alive. Like Five Cream just came out last year. Mm-hmm. Last year? Beginning five, of this year? Five cream. Um you know, December she of last was in year. it. She was in it and she was in peril and she survived. She still showed the attributes of a final girl character. Granted, she's not technically the uh Care like the main. She's not the main character. She's not the main point the, of focus. Right. She's not the final girl in this film, but she is still a final girl. She is still alive, and that says something. You know, almost almost six films. Well, then you in. could you could also make the same argument for Gail. Well, I was just gonna say Gail Weathers is absolutely a final. I couldn't girl. remember. I was gonna say Summers, and I knew that wasn't it. That was close. It's it was next close. summer weather. Um, yeah. Again, you know... But she wasn't the main target. She just happened to be there. She became more of a target as the sequels went on. Right. But at the same time, she was pivotal to the outcome of several of these films. All of them, really. You know, her actions, her, I'll say, bravery, so to speak, uh... Her aided the other characters, you know, towards victory. Yeah. You know, she's she's the reason why Sydney Prescott is still alive. But you know, again, kind of following that trope that you know, a final girl doesn't necessarily have to be alive due to her own abilities. It could be through interference with you know, a help from somebody else. Right. I mean, again, uh, Halloween two, Donald Pleasant blows up Michael and himself. You know, to save Lori. You know, which under normal circumstances should work, but it doesn't always. Um, oh, another one I didn't even think about, but here it is. Uh, Danielle Harris as Jamie Lloyd from the Halloween films. She, Halloween 4, so to speak, uh, not uh, to be specific. It, yeah, except she got killed in 6. Did she? Yeah, well, not it wasn't Danielle Harris, but it was the same character. Okay. She got killed at the beginning because she was the one who had the baby. But that's like all the, none of those sequels count anymore because they ignored them and came back uh, with other people. Uh, we do have some folks who gave us a list of their top final girls, which we will get to towards the end. But you were scrolling through something, and one of the names triggered that memory that a couple people did give us lists. But some of the, you know, uh, the newer ones, I know some of these films have been out for a while, but some of these newer ones, like once we've hit the 2000s, they didn't want to rely on the same, you know, I don't want to say hackneyed tropes, but after a while, when you see the same thing over and over and over, you know, it's one of those, uh, I saw, uh, I was watching a video earlier today where they talked about, movie tropes that get used over and over and over again. It's like every movie where a guy's like, I'm going to turn my life around and change things. And I need to really rethink of, uh, of, of where my place is in the universe because I came home early from work vacation, you know, whatever trip to find my wife cheating on me. It's been done dozens and dozens of times. So it's like, Hey, can we try something different? And movies for the most part actually did try to do this. Um, Granted, a lot of them were uh, adapted from other properties. But take someone like Coraline. 
Coraline uh, gets herself into the situation. Usually the situation that our final girl finds herself in is not one of her own doing. Just wrong place, wrong time. You know, Laurie Strode, not her fault that Michael Myers is coming back to kill her. She has no idea. She didn't do anything to upset him other than be related to him, at least depending on which storyline you follow. Um, you know, uh, Sally Hardesty, just in the wrong place at the wrong time. You know, she didn't do anything to that family, to the, the Sawyer family. She was just in the wrong place at the wrong Coraline actively tries to get away from her normal family and is seduced by, you know, this dark entity, the other mother. You know, she's warned, but warned in a very vague way. And she ignores all the signs like, oh, here's a doll that looks like me. It moves on its own. <laughs> no big deal. Uh, hey, let me follow this talking cat into a fucking mystical doorway where everything I want seems to co go my way. And all I have to do is sew buttons over my eyes? I, I Maybe? I'll take the buttons. Yeah. And uh, buttons, please. And so as a result, uh, she is put in this situation where she must, again, she does have some help. Uh, because the other father and the other YB and like the other YB, the, why were you born? Yeah, which is dark as shit. Uh, but like, and also the souls of the children uh, that were killed by other mother, they assist her, but she still has to do all the heavy lifting herself. Um, she is uh, uh, not a typical final girl. Uh, I would also throw out. Even though uh, it's hard because this is a franchise, Jill Tuck and Amanda Young from Saw, they do both die, if I, but uh, Amanda gets through t almost three movies. Jill gets through almost the entire franchise. Okay, but here's the thing to play devil's advocate to this. Amanda becomes Jigsaw. She does do a bunch of, and that's why she dies at the end of the becomes Jigsaw. Yes, she becomes uh, an apprentice. But in Jill's case, because I just rewatched these, it was specifically to uh, kill Mark Hoffman to clear her of any suspicion and wrap everything up in a neat little package. So once Hoffman was dead, everything would stop. But he did have redundancies and... and extra plans, you know, being Lawrence Gordon. Um, I will also say, um, from an unconventional point of view, again, this was a film that came out in the late 80s, and it was the fourth in a franchise. And this character had previously been in two, maybe three of them. I don't know. I'd have to rewatch the third one. But Ellen Brody of the Jaws franchise is one of the most unconventional final girls because... She wants to get drunk and fool around? Well, first of all, she's not like a young teenager. She is easily, you know, prior to, um, you know, the new Halloweens and the new uh, Terminator film coming out, she is easily the oldest 
Uh, like, she has grown children at this point. But she has been affected by the events of the previous three movies to the point where, you know, she has lost most of her family and she is out for vengeance against this supernatural force. Because let's be honest, at this point in the franchise, the shark is a supernatural slasher. That's just the way it is. Um, and she takes it upon herself to go and fight this supernatural force. We don't really see that in any other uh, movie. Like, this is the first, the first time that the outside force that is attacking this, that is being confronted by this final girl, this is the first time that she hasn't been attacked herself. In every other example that we talked about, the final girl has been a victim of whatever entity or force or person has been perpetrating all these crimes. It doesn't matter what movie, like, again, Texas Chainsaw, Sally Hardesty was chained to the dinner table or the, the chair at the dinner table. Uh, Alien, the aliens are coming after Ripley and tried to kill her once before. Um, you know, Halloween, Michael Myers is specifically trying to kill Laurie Strode. This is the first time where it's like, you killed my entire family. Now I'm coming after you. Which I thought was an interesting touch. And not a lot of people think of Ellen Brody as a final girl. But, you know, again, by this strict definition, she's not. But I think Jaws the Revenge, for all the shit people give it, Jaws of Revenge was instrumental in kind of subverting that final girl trope and really changing things. And it it also brought back one of the one of the tropes that we see in today's films. Like, let's bring back the original cast to create to you know, to uh, grab some of that nostalgia from the original, and we'll bring back. Granted, it wasn't forty years later. It'd be like if she was to come out now and she was essentially Quint, you know, <laughs> like if it was to swimming with bow-legged women, if they were to, if they were to do that now, if they had their druthers, like, uh, Steven Spielberg, I almost called him Richard Seymour. Holy shit. Steven Spielberg would come out and say, yeah. This is the movie we're making because we're getting Indiana Jones 6. Remember, that first one came out in like 1983. Harrison Ford is 90. 80. Is there a difference? Not really. Not when you're an archaeologist. But if they were to make it now, she would essentially be Quint and there would be a team of younger, like Hooper's kids and, and like her kids. And like, she'd be like, oh, you don't want to go down that water. You know, like. What's his name in uh, Pet Cemetery? Oh, you don't want to go out on that water. You scary shark and bite your face off. Swimming with a bowling. Uh, but she, she would go out there and she would end up dying, you know, to save the kids. But she's responsible for, or that movie, I should say, is responsible for the newer trope of the final girl that started changing. And it wasn't always like, oh, I'm so helpless. I need a man to save me. Well, I mean, so here's the thing. The original meaning of final girl is described 
by Carol Clover in her 1992 book is quite narrow. It's really not all-encompassing. We're entering a whole new world when it comes to these characters. The final girls we knew are no longer, and some of the ones we've met are different. Take a look at Laurie Strode and 2018's Halloween sequel. Jamie Lee Curtis broke onto the scene as the character in the 70s, but we're is reprising the role now. She's no longer the babysitter who's a virgin, but she's actually a grizzled grandma who is proactive in her attacks and totes a shotgun. And it's not just her. Recent horror films such as The Witch, It Follows, Raw, A Quiet Place, Hereditary, and Midsommar have thrilled both audiences and critics. They also made good money at the box office. And the women in them don't just kick ass, but provide a much deeper character development than we've seen from previous characters. Right. I mean, you look at uh, another final girl, you know, in that in that uh, in that vein. Um, Technically, two of them, you know, they were already resourceful and were put in a situation that it's like, the fuck? Like, why am I in this situation? Like, I shouldn't be here. So, you know what? I'm going to use the skills and training that I already have, you know, even though we're not privy to this is everything that this person can do. And, you know, because it's a woman, they're like, oh, well, you know, a woman could never do that. Oh, she's such a Mary Sue. Even though when a guy does it, totally fine. Rambo, Rocky, all these, all these action stars, that's totally fine. But when a girl does it, oh, she didn't go through that. We didn't see her go through this training. And there wasn't, you know, this, you know, long drawn out expository back, backstory. Um, so how could she possibly do this? But the two that I'm thinking of right off the top of my head, uh, Aaron from Your Next and Crystal from The Hunt. Mm. Uh, the Hunt is not really a horror movie. Again, it's more action. But, but it, again, kind of straps that, that line. But yeah, definitely follows that trope. Uh, uh, and and kind of wrong place, wrong time, wrong person. Yeah, they. she wasn't even supposed to be there that day. Yeah. You know, for, for, <laughs> shout out to Clerks 3, which I haven't seen yet. But then you have... Uh, I have uh, another trio of of women that again they all took different paths to get to where they are and you know it took them many many years to get to that point but Arya Stark, Sansa Stark and Brienne of Tarth three final girls so just getting through Game of Thrones uh is a is an accomplishment unto itself but the fact that you know Arya took one path Sansa took a very different path and Brienne of Tarth took yet a third path, all to arrive uh, at the same place uh, at the end of that series. That's an accomplishment. None of them follow the typical final girl trope. Maybe Sansa? Out of all of them, Sansa is really the only one who is the stereotypical damsel in distress. She is put in these situations where she realizes that she is stronger than she thinks she is and kind of sheds uh, what is expected of her. Because she's, I mean, we're in the process of rewatching Game of Thrones right now. It's our it's our annual rewatch of Game of Thrones. Yeah, she starts um, off as this love. You know, sick. where we just finished the first season. And ah, uh, oh, uh, I... 
Sansa Stark is one of those characters, and we talk about this in our Sansa Stark ep- episode, Lemon, Lemon Cakes and Stupid. Um, I hate that character. I hate the character of Sansa Stark for about three quarters of the series. Uh, it's not until... Not until she escapes Ramsey Season seven, like halfway through season seven, going into season eight. Her story arc is one of the only redeeming things of season eight. Uh, Her outcome, her going from, I mean, ultimately she got what she wanted. She wanted to be queen. She wanted to be queen. She became queen, but she did it without a man by her side, which is how she didn't think she was going to get there, but she did. And uh, she becomes a really smart respected character which are words i thought i would never use to describe sansa stark because everything that she goes through while she goes through it and it's horrific and it's traumatizing and it's brutal she uses that little bits of her to unlearning and i will not find myself in this situation Ever again. And she's also learning from the people around her, too. Those who she trusts and those who she learns she cannot trust. Right. Looking at you, Littlefinger. Sansa. You know, and Arya Stark is a good one, too. But, I mean, she's scrappy from the beginning. She is a fighter from the beginning. But she was also much younger and not nearly as resourceful. Like, she relied on a lot of other people helping her out for the first two seasons. Until she starts her faceless training. And even then... She lets her personal vendetta uh, cloud her. It's not until she leaves the House of Black and White, says, I'm Arya Stark. Of Winterfell. uh, Of Winterfell, and I'm going home. Um, It's not until then that she's fully realized as a really strong and dependable and has the potential of being a final girl. Now, obviously we know how her story pans out. She turns into a fucking immortal, like shape-shifting ninja. Yeah. She is incredible. She is the downfall of the the Night King. She defeats the Terminator in season six. Um, The Waif. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's such a, it's a great uh, story arc for her, but it's not as good as Sansa's, in my opinion, just because what Arya did, I believe she did. Yes. I'm like, yep, she did that. She did that. What Sansa did towards the end, that came out of nowhere. And I believe that's why she's more of a final girl than Arya. And then Brienne of Tarth just, you know, she personifies the the maiden part of it, like the virginal, like, you know, the good, the honorable, like, I'm here. But she's also a badass, like, ninja warrior herself. Like, she is one of the best fighters in the world. Right, and she does. I mean, she is in the Battle of... Um, oh, battle of is, Winterfell? Is that the last battle? The, the, yeah, the Battle Night of Winterfell. Battle? But the really disappointing battle? She does require some assistance uh, when they do get captured by the Brave Companions. Uh, Locke and all those guys, when Jamie gets his hand cut off, Jamie saves her. From the bear? 
well, not just the bear, but like, they're like, oh, uh, he's like, yeah, they're going to rape you a bunch of times. So like, don't fight them. Just let them do it. Imagine they're Renly. And she's like, no, go fuck yourself. And so he tells them, because he gets her in the trouble. He's like, yeah, you know, she's from the Sapphire Isle. Like, why do you think they call it that? Like, they'll send you her weight in sapphires if you, you know, leave her unspoiled. And when they find out that that's not what's going to happen, that's when they throw her in the bear pit. So he has to go back and save her. Um, but yeah, she she has parts of it, but she's also, she's not a damsel in distress. She's not helpless. Like, in the show, she defeats the Hound in one-on-one combat, which is insanely difficult to do because he's one of the best he's one of the best fighters in the world at that point too um one of my favorite final girls i know it's not the last five years but the last 10 years from the 2013 remake of the evil dead Mm. mia oh that is a good one that's a that's a surprising one too because of what happens in the film you don't think she's going to make it out because she becomes the villain she becomes you know the antagonist she yep. is uh what's the word that I'm looking for um possessed yes. by this demonic entity and you think that in order for everyone else to survive, that they're going to have to, she has to el- yeah, eliminate her. Um, and ultimately, that's 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 not what happens. And she is she is the sole final girl at the end of that. Film. She's the only person left. Well, that's what saying. Yeah, that's why she is. She is. And it's uh, it's such a, an interesting take of the trope, because for the majority of the film, she's not herself. She's possessed by somebody else, and she's in so, touch, and she's uh, in that position because she is the weakest mm-hmm. because of her addiction. Right, right. So uh, again, another one where it's kind of a surprise, you know. Um, but yeah, that's such a that's such a good one because in the end, you know, you see that she's gone through this transformation. Uh, she's strong enough to make it out alive, which at the beginning of the film, she wouldn't have been. Uh, and she is the sole survivor of the film. She's able to drive away, you know, from this, from this cabin, from this, this, oh, this she place. She fights back from being buried alive. Like, yeah. Jesus. Like. And I would say, you know, as far as remakes and reimaginings and whatnot goes uh that that is probably one of the best i mean it's not necessarily or it's a remake but uh it's done so well that it has none of the camp it's all horror well but i mean like the original evil dead wasn't campy they didn't bring they well they didn't bring camp into it until the second one and then you have army of darkness which is just that is that is on another level uh but i mean it it has somewhat to do with the the original evil dead um but it's such a great film on its own and it 
brings a lot of new things to the table too. It's not a shot for shot remake. It's not a shitty remake by any stretch. Um, it's so well done. Yes, and, and, it, and it is, it is terrifying too. You know, there's some the gore and the horror. Yeah, I was going to say there's some great gore and whatnot and the lore and everything too, with the Necronomicon and stuff like it's, uh, it does have it, the trope of the dumbass dipshit, like causing all the problems. Ooh, this thing is, uh, I found a book. Oh, it's wrapped in barbed wire, and it says, do not read this, you'll die. And he's like, you know what I'm going to do? All the pages are scratched out. I like to read. And he, and he goes over it with a pencil to find out what it says, then reads it aloud, and it's like, oh, God, I had no idea what was going to happen. Oh, who would have sunk? So we have uh, two folks that gave us lists of their favorite final girls, their top five. And we have covered most of them, except for two. There were two on here, one on each list that we did not cover, and one because I haven't seen it. So the first one, and this you were looking at that list earlier, and it reminded me of this. Uh, our good friend, the award-winning uh, Stephen Christina Jr. of the award-winning Super Retro Throwback Reviews podcast, uh, his top five are Laurie Strode from Halloween, Ellen Ripley from Alien, Nancy Thompson, Nightmare on Elm Street, Ginny from Friday the 13th Part 2, and Tree Glebman from Happy Death Day to You, and the Happy Death the, the Happy Death Day franchise, which I have not seen. I uh, Yeah, I have not checked that out either. Um, probably something we'll visit at some point. Yeah, I mean, it looks interesting. It's it almost like, like a movie. the butterfly effect mixed with... It's uh, your birthday. Mixed with Final Destination. I don't know. Yeah. The masks are involved, apparently. Oh, the killer has a mask. I mean, that's everybody has a mask. Uh, and uh, Misty Pendragon of uh, the, the Scream Sisters podcast has said, uh, Nancy Thompson, Ripley from Aliens, Laurie Strode, uh, Kirsty Cotton from Hellraiser, and uh, Charlie from 31. Oh. It's a good call. Okay, um, yeah. I only watched that movie once, and I wasn't, like, super, you know, over the moon about it. I liked it. I thought it was fun. But, yeah, that is uh, that is Sherry Moon Zombie's character. She is definitely a final girl. She is the one of the only ones, if not the only one, that survives. I believe she's, like, the only one. She, yes. Yes, she is the only one. Yes. I'm I'm remembering the ending now. Um, she gets picked up by, um, oh, I forget his name in the f- film. Is it Deathhead? Doomhead? Doomhead. Yeah, um, uh, Richard Brake. Yes. Yes. Uh, no, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, so I think this is a really good spot yeah. to wrap up this conversation. It's the wine. It's, it's a spooky <laughs> Halloween episode. I don't know where that accent came from. Southern Transylvania. I don't know. <laughs> so we're going to go to break. I'm going to figure out what accent I have. And when we come back, we're going to throw down a new battle. So stay tuned.
Hey, what's going on? I'm Steven. And I'm Ron. And we're the hosts of the Super Retro Throwback Reviews Audio Podcast. If you like to hear the latest pop culture news with some smart-ass commentary as well as the latest movie reviews, then check us out. Also, we're a multi-award nominated podcast, so we're doing something right. God knows how that happened. So check us out on all major podcasts and distributors and check out Super Retro Throwback Reviews on all social media platforms. And we are back. So... I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Final Girls. Um, it's definitely one of those subjects that you could just go on and on and on and on about. And there's so many really good characters to uh, discuss when it comes to uh, the concept, the trope of uh, Final Girls. And I like the fact that it's been changing uh, over the past 30, 40 years and the characters have been evolving. And, you know, it's it's refreshing to see that. I just wish, you know people in the internet world could realize that these are movies and that they're the characters can do whatever they want to do change is okay it can be good sometimes and they're just characters it's all make-believe yeah it's not real yeah and it's okay if a mermaid is black it's okay it's okay if elves are black it's okay if there are black people in Star Wars. It's okay, it's, if there are, okay. it's okay if there are black people in Game of Thrones. It's okay if there are black people, because apparently some people need that lesson given to them as well. So yes, it's okay that anyone is represented. It's all right. It doesn't take away from anything that you've already previously enjoyed. It's just something new. Relax. So... We have a new battle today, and it's a very interesting concept that we came up with uh, last week when we were trying to come up with a very interesting concept for this week's battle. So, Ashes, why don't you uh, let the folks at home know what we're doing? Well, I think we need to do something first, Patsy. What is it that we need to do? We have to play the battle theme. Let me hit the button. Three hundred fucking episode, and that didn't even play the battle theme. Sorry, I can put it in in in, in post. That's fine. I can figure this out. Uh, Three hundred episodes, and I still haven't gotten that to work right once. But uh, go ahead. So today we are throwing down the terrifying tag team turmoil, which fierce final girl paired alongside her supernatural adversary has what it takes to slash the competition and be the last girl standing, Aka, the ultimate final girl. Anything goes. The sandbox is the tech noir dance club, and the special guest referee is none other than Miss Ellen Ripley. So you can choose from Sally Hardesty and Leatherface, Laurie Strode and Michael Myers, Nancy Thompson and Freddy Krueger, or Ginny Field and Jason Voorhees. That's a tough choice, and it's definitely definitely one that is going to take some thought, especially because you have to think about how well can these bitter rivals uh, not only work together, work together 
to defeat their enemies. Right. So not only is it the final girl's ability to work with her adversary, but it's also the adversary's ability to work with the final girl against the other adversaries and final girls. I mean, because you don't, you don't want them to, like, it's if, if I were to be writing this, I would be like, so, so it's, it's who again? It's Leatherface, Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees. Okay, so only one of those guys talks because one of the things you'd be worried about was, you know, somebody coming up with some sort of convoluted plan where they're like, all right, here's what we do. We've all been defeated by every one of these women before. So why don't we team up, kill all of them, and then we can battle each other. But because Freddy's the only one who can speak or who does speak, you can't really have that communication. Well, and that's on. also not the battle. No, I know. Because but the battle is who will be the last final girl standing. Not team. So then they have to defeat girl. the so if Freddie and Nancy were to win, Nancy would then have to defeat Freddie. Yeah. But what happens if Freddie beats Nancy? What happens then? Or a team. Fine. Whatever. Fine. What team is the final yeah, it has team, to be the team that's gonna be standing? Has to be the team there because it is a tag team. Whoa, nothing. Let me drink my wine. I'm not stopping you. So that's what we have for this week's episode. Uh, join us again next week where we're going to be de- deconstructing another fun and exciting trope and delving into some of our favorite characters in another category, which will be revealed early next week. So you can join in and. Uh, help out with our uh our uh our our episode and you can contribute and be a part of this so ashes do you have anything else you want to add i like why we do i don't have anything else i want to add so i think that's a good time to say see you next Next thursday. thursday